Uh, Super Bowl, Pooper Bowl, Sunday, January 26, 2003. It's a Watt for Pedro show.
degradation and humiliation Poor people on the verge of annihilation And in the quarters with the new world order Crops are replaced with maquilladoras Hundreds of peasant senoras y senoras Gotta make their way to the cities by the border They arrive from the countryside Following the promise of a better life But promises are made to be broken While the authority figures are cloaking the truth for Pedro show looks like that uh 
That song there got clipped. <laughs> Bunk CD, yeah? Well, that was Los Mos- Moscosos. Los Mocosos. Boogers. Translated from Spanish with uh, The Border. Their Shades of Brown record. I played with these cats in Denver a couple years ago. Uh, Before that, Slater Kinney. Light Rail Coyote. From One Beat. And we started with India. Live Village Vanguard. 1961 John Coltrane. Eric Dolphy helping him out there. It's January 26th, big football day for football people here. It's kind of a pirate ball, seeing that it's Buccaneers and Raiders. Raiders used to be an L.A. team, so maybe there's some favoritism that way in this town. Yeah, at least uh, the Raiders played down there a little bit more often than... uh Bucks have, so maybe that's a little bonus edge. Yeah. Eating any pools? Getting any uh, pool? Got your numbers? No. <laughs> yeah, getting that. No, I'm not that connected. I used to watch football as a kid with everybody else in Navy housing. But then after a while, it seemed like Army with all the uniforms and helmets, and I couldn't tell who was what. And I like to see the guys in their underwear throw the ball in the hoop, so I gravitated more to that sport. <laughs> <laughs> and less... From the football, Shoney Rock kind of things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, beautiful day for January. Awesome, huh? awesome. Oh, this is Cali. Usually, this is the rain month, and we've had hardly any. A lot of sun. Don't have really the clear mornings. Yeah, Got the marine layer coming in now when I'm paddling. Nice day though. Twenty pelicans now killed. Damn. A couple up in San Francisco. So the disease is spreading of idiots hurting those beautiful creatures. I can't see what would be in anybody's mind to do that. Only 5,000 left. Endangered. And their maintenance season's coming in April, so it's a bad time to get them all upset. Especially after DDT did such a number on them for so many years. Now they have stupid peckerwood. This kind of garbage is lame. Anyway, Watt from Pedro Show. Petra Hayden. Hi, how are you? No, 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 no,
I stopped putting my own up. Is this funny? Uh, I can't, you know, these lights are strong. I can just see, I can't see, I can see him vaguely, vaguely, and nothing up there. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bomb. Yeah. Definitely bomb. I can't. Cannot cop out for the rain. No excuse. No, no, no. No. Rain, uh, yeah, you'll make it in rain, the snow. Uh, would this be beautiful? Dig this in. Okay, say this only. Place seats um, 2,000. There's 500 here. So we must assume that there's 500 people that really dig me. That's a hardcore following. So dig a beautiful put on. There's 1,100. And I give away 1,100 tickets to Mission Market Street drunks. But real Jew, but really rumpos. I get a guy, I give a guy a hundred dollars, look. I want you to get me a thousand drunks, winos, and tell them to be at the theater, and they'll each get a pint of whiskey. Uh, don't uh, tell them, look, I'm going to give you a pint of whiskey. I don't drink it in the theater. I mean, uh, if you want it, but don't let me see you. I mean, I like to have a drink once in a while myself. And, uh, okay, then I don't have them come in until about eight, uh, about nine o'clock. See, it's dark already, and everybody's bombing. Then you see people start to coming. A lot of, it's a lot of guys. It must be a shrine of convention because you, you're engrossed with me. But you see all these people coming and marching. And, okay, now they each got a pint. And uh, yeah, I so saw. I assume for the first 15 minutes, completely unaware of them, except the bustling, and now they're seated, closing your heart of my heart. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Listen, people seeing vapor bags going up. Mm-hmm. Hey, want a drink? No, drink it. Okay, now they would probably start to dig me, the drunks. And after maybe 20 minutes, they're completely out of it now. You know. What the hell did that guy say? Hey there, knock that off about the Pope, you! You better shut up there, right? What's the meaning of this way? Just you shut up when bottles come. Dwing! Now we've got maybe 30 minutes going. Now, they're winos, so a pint of whiskey, schliffo. Yeah, completely. Now we have not only the problem of maintaining order, that's gone now. Now we have a problem of removal. You've got 1,100 drunks to move. From the men's room, the ladies' rooms, they crack the candy cases. Yeah, what? Oh, that's a big bust, 1100. I assume, yeah, you could probably do away with them. Um, they could get rid of about 650. Yeah, because you must realize that if you're that juiced out, that's a good three day pass out, maybe. Two days, a good 48 hours. Or six. So now, uh, since this is the off night for legit theater, oh, yeah, they would have a problem. Yeah, Dane Andrews the next day hears, uh, hey, you hear what happened last night? Uh, a lot of drunks. Hey, well, that's what he draws, but there's about 600 left there. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, oh, yeah, they just all of, oh, get them out of here. And now it's like almost showtime. They're still like, they're not moving. The police have had it. No, we're not a delivery service for drunks. It's ridiculous. That's the theater. They're not, uh, viol- they're not disturbing the peace. There's nothing on the ticket that says they can't stay that long. 
Oh, that would be beautiful. You think it went complete psychotic, a public defender? Yes, the drunks have a right to stay there. It's under the 15th Amendment, these men have a right and you'll stay there to the 48th hour. I'm right, that's right. So then I said, the Danny Andrews have to resolve. Yeah, let's, well, let's see, the show must go on. And uh, there's no such thing as a bad audience. Is that right, man? Yeah, okay, we'll do the show. And they believe it then. Until probably the, at the end of the first act, they've had four drunks on stage, you know. <laughs> you know their concept of humor, ta-ra-ra-boom, doing a dopey bits. Unless there was one method actor, yeah, that can make the drunks work. Or perhaps someone who's very knowledgeable with theater, I mean, could switch it to a long journey into the night, Eugene O'Neill thing. That would cook, and then probably get good reviews. The 300 drunks stole the show. (laughs) Dick, you, you know, I hate to... um, I say I structure this. Uh, oh, I just uh, the motivate why I structure it. Oh, that's why. Okay, because I am naturally interested in my criticism and don't like to be criticized unless it's a kappa critique. There's one cat in this town, Dan Morgenstein, Dan Frischer. Frischer. He gave me some zingers, but well done. Dig it's a beautiful thing. We need no... Uh, I wish I could think. But it is, we need no Lenny Bruce to mount a garbage truck to lead us to... And, but, it's a kissing. I really dug it, you know. But with the exception of very few, I don't dig spritzes, you know. So, uh, what I was thinking in my mind here about structuring was uh, when I go into what happens to me, personal experience, then some schlub goes... Well, the whole show, he was moaning and crying. No, no, because I see things in a very ludicrous sense, and I report that kind of a scene. I want to tell you about the bus now, you know, getting arrested. Okay. Which is really delightful. I took it. Now, uh, I was arrested, as you know, for using taboo derogatory. Uh, it, um, vulgar. What does that applause mean? That's really taboo derogatory. He was, hooray, he was arrested. That's hard to figure out. Yeah. Okay. Now, the, uh, the term that... No, the, there was three kind of word or references. One was to um, a vulgate term that they assumed re, re, uh, related to homosexual. That's funny that how they picked it up. <laughs> because I don't know if they're hip to it. That's not only a homosexual practice but a practice of every good wife who is contemporary. Yeah. So that's why it's really weird. Yeah, but... Uh, and Dick, I had the word itself. I spent two days and structured... I went from this kind of dictionary to law from library to library and then broke down the word impossible. The contraction, the two words to find in the dictionary... And if second accepted, since, okay, we know the first word. Sucker, one who is a pawn, uh, unaware person who can be taken advantage of, and since the cock is the male bird, the feathers, I assume many transvestites who are pawns for baubles and bees and feathers is correct. So that's the one rap out for it. 
But then I yell, that's just a dictionary, because you use the contraction, you didn't say it to it. You know what it means, so then we must go to the American Dictionary of Slang, where they all, you know what it mean words are, and then we see the good schmutzos that are considered, and every dirty, dirty, dirty word. These guys have spent 10 years compiling from every group. They've got idiom words I never heard before. Dig what it says. This is beautiful. But I wouldn't use it because it's a cheap victory. It's too easy. Okay, now the word, and they describe it. Okay. Uh, one who plays the female role in a homosexual relationship. Now... In my Benchley fantasy, I was inquisitive, the arresting officer, what is the female role in a homosexual relationship? My image is a female role is one who irons your shirts and is good to you and makes tea and rubs your chest with Vicks. So what is his image? You know. Yeah. But then it becomes like, you know, then it's just like, See, oh, but you must understand, when I'm structuring this, I had never been in court. Only twice now, the last two bus, that bus and this bus. So I said, uh, I said, I can't do that because I know what the courts are, and there's an, a correct air about them. Till I saw the court. See, my thing was, I don't do that because it's just a put on. Then I saw the court, then I said, Phew. Now, not San Francisco court only. I had the mazel to be in two lower courts in the last month, Philadelphia and here. So I'm sure the, the condition is prevalent throughout the country. Okay. There's the judge. I waive jury. Why waive jury? Because every attorney, every judge, there's a bunch of old ladies on juries. Hmm. That's interesting. Or maybe if they search their soul. The juries are, you'll never find any colored people, Mexican people. You'll never find that bricklayer. Too many Jewish people. There's uh, just one kind of people. One tribe that's not a right or wrong tribe. But a tribe that's been away from the tribe so long <laughs> that they may have assimilated into nothingness and have no but dig. They are not inhumane. It doesn't even relate to that. The Rahman is they don't feel sorry. No, true tribe really does identify with, he's my brother. That's why I, policemen, the only true policemen who can do a correct job, Italians, forget it, no good. Jews, no good. Schwaz, no good. No, it has to be true Anglo-Saxon because even in the middle, right in the middle, in Italian prison, you're sitting in swearing in court, and the, you told Rosie that, yelling and shying, and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, that's, that's, it gets completely emotional. So it has to be very austere. I have a whole thing about, let me explain Jewish and Goyish to you. Okay, first, illiterate. Goy. One who is not of the Jewish faith. Second accepted, uncivilized. Goy, think this is beautiful, is used by two groups. The Mormons, because that's always the definition. One who is not a Mormon is a Goy. Or, yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, a Jew, which you may not be hip to. One who is regarded from descending from the ancient tribes of Judea. So Jewish and Goyish, but I have a different Goyish. I'll show you how it works. 
Eddie Cantor's goyish. Gene Ammons is Jewish. Ray Charles is very Jewish. Al Jolson, goyish. The Army is goyish. The Navy is goyish. The Marine Corps is goyish. The Air Force is Jewish. Camel cigarettes, very goyish. Salem's Jewish. Kent's goyish. Viceroy's Marlboro is Jewish. Kool-Aid, goyish. Very good. Instant potatoes, scary goyish. Uh, There was a thing in Life Magazine. There's a picture of this cat. He's up in the mountains. The rope around him. And his ad for camel cigarettes. This is big. His name is so goyish. It's beautiful. Bob B-Y-H-R-E. Try to say it. Bob B-Y-H-R-E. Barber. It's so goyish you can't say it. Barber. And Dick Bar- It's a barber who, when he's, he goes up to the Alpines to save people for nothing, he risks his life to save people for nothing. What Jew would do that? Barber, does it? Why, that is pure selflessness. He's better than the Lone Ranger. He doesn't wait to be thanked. Why, who is that? He didn't wait to be thanked. He never does. He can't accept love. The thing with it is that there's been two points of view. One, that he is that selfless and good and he's humble, but... Yeah, the intellect feels that perhaps he doesn't want acceptance from a lower group. He just wants maybe some... Even Tonto is tired of his placating me. He's looking for, like, heavyweight Supreme Court judge who did a beautiful job. Thank you. Did you enjoy that? was rather difficult and going... Or maybe a... Um, who's another cap? The Green Hornet. He did a beautiful job. Thank you. I dug your work. Too. Okay. Now... Back to the bust. Going to court now. I see the court. Judge Axelrod presiding. This is a cute, nice one. You got the robe. Get in, sit down. Now that my attorney says sit over here, there's the first three things. First thing I do is a, is a guy in a brown kind of mounty outfit goes. <laughs> Come on, move. You get back here. These are reserved for the ladies. The late, something like that. A ladies, yes. I said, so I didn't, I didn't cop it. Somebody said, "That's Lenny Bruce." Then he really reacted beautifully, with an original line. I don't care if he's the Pope. Gotta go back there. All right. <laughs> That's really cute. Okay. Now I figured that this was only peculiar in Philadelphia. Now I see this first cat come up, a uh, member of a minority group. Now, believe me, I do not bring in the minority group to prove the judge the ogre. That, because the true liberal will schlep the minority as the majority. And placating the minority is Crow Jim, which is the worst. This minority group, okay. His charge, he's welfare, gets guilt from the welfare. Took the money, didn't give it to the kids. He's got a car. Okay. Another defense... Dig Judge Axelrod. I've given you every break in the world. 
That's what I want to hear. But you run out and it's just a real shut up. I said, what kind of power is this cat got? <laughs> Same kind of power the guy in Philly had. I told my attorney, what is this, man? How can you shh, give him a real sentient and he listen to judge? And he keeps yelling, I've given you, I don't want to hear that. I give you every break in the world. And I'm saying, no, you didn't give him every break in the world. If you did, they wouldn't take his car away. He would have went to you and said, I don't have any money. That's all right, here's money for you and your family, and I got more than his bread. I've given you every break in the world, 90 days. That's not every break in the world. <laughs> now, 9-0 is a taste. Yeah, that's a nice lot of days. And you know how long you have to wait? Oh, you've got to wait three weeks or so on and so forth. That's, forget it. He says, oh, he's a really tough cat, this guy. Now, the next one schleps up. Oh, no, Dick, I, I forgot what he was really bugged about. You've got a car outside. We saw the registration. And is that your car? How much money have you got in that car? Some $1,900? You shouldn't have that car if you're going to take money from the welfare. But what he's forgotten is that the NRA... What are you doing with the radio? And taking relief checks. Car is the same... Schlub, you've got to have a car, dopey. It's not a luxury. It's the same luxury as a radio was. No, not even that. No, you need a car to do and produce and have your gig. But his thing is... The children, and you, you and take care of your wife and kids. You got money to buy a car. Because those are real heavyweight indictments for a dummy. Because it's so surface. Okay, he gets his 9-0 and splits. Now this kid comes up from San Leosandro. The names are beautiful names. They're all like kissing names. Okay. This, guy, this kid escaped prison. Now he's there. Dig this kid really did. He, now the testimony of the cop. He climbed over four pipes, then over the truncheon, jumped 60 feet, dropped down three. I said, dig, if there's only a cat from UCLA, I'll take custody for the track team. They shut me. Yeah, that has to be, right? Okay, now, he also stabbed this other inmate. Now, the inmate is testifying. Oh, mate, no, no, I think he stabbed the cat on the outside. Now, this guy he stabbed has an attorney. Now that worked, but he has an attorney. And he says to him, now you are in this place. What's the name of this bar? Were you drinking? I had about 11 beers. Okay. Uh, you were standing at the bar? This is his attorney he's answering. He says, no, I wasn't standing. I was sitting down by the tables. He sees that. He's trying to be tricked. No, I didn't stand at the bar because that's bad standing at a bar. I dig his culture. But if you sit down at tables, then it's all right. And you're, uh, that really flipped me up. Now, in Philly, and my attorney told me a beautiful, the dug the same thing. There's a colored guy, and there's his attorney, and the judge is really wrapping it out. So I did what he did. He stepped behind his attorney and went, he's showing the judge his mason pin. <laughs> is that beautiful? In back of his attorney, look, I'm a mason. <laughs> then I searched it out, and I found out that they have their own masons and shrines. The shriners don't, no, nah, they don't know from them, and they don't accept them. Anyway. But they want to be in the tribe so bad. This is beautiful. Okay. This kid gets a good signature, shut up or put away. Now I'm up next. Meanwhile, I'm really bugged because I don't see any ladies sitting there. Yet one chick sat down who was a loser. Okay, now I go up there and see. Now, Judge Axelrod is 
First, I figure put on. See, I thought judges, I listen, I am wise, the scales. I listen all, then I weigh what I hear. Now, well, first we hear... Okay, what are they here for? First guy, the cat who arrested me. His name is Ryan, this cop. And I loved him. Because they, although I am not religious, there was a case of the religion that I knew the put, he would not lie. And he, not only did he not lie, but he told the truth and like pro almost for me. And he wouldn't even look at me. And it was like an embarrassing. Okay, so now the word. What did he say? And he said the word. And the word became a little looser. Then he wrapped it out. Everybody got dug with the word. And this attorney, yeah, he said that word. Nobody said it and loved to say it. Let me say it a few times. Now, when he said that word, yeah, you said that word. And the judge said it. Everybody had a good time saying it. And the bailiff, that, that, that dopey Mountie, yeah, he said it. Yeah, what did, what did he say? He made people with death. He said, da da da. Oh, all right. So everybody had a really a good time getting it out and just saying it, you know. So now we're cooking with that. You know? Now, we just heard the testimony of two officers. That's what he's heard. Take the judge what's out of here. As far as I'm concerned, he's guilty. <laughs> now, uh, now he's, I see him pinning the clock. Counsel, how long will this take for the tape? Because I have to go on my vacation in Phoenix. <laughs> so I said to my counsel, well, that's it. I mean, it's that important. I mean, the tapes are important, but not as important as the vacation in Phoenix. So we'll send the tapes to Phoenix, you know. Right. Well, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now the DA. Okay. Why, see, my point, why I dig or don't dig, is, sorry, it doesn't if you're heavy-handed or ponderous, I love a cat who makes the point and doesn't, no small. DA, right, yeah, right, no, no dummy right in there. Bap, bap, no wasting, no dramatic. Here, dug him, okay. Now, actually, Oh, this man is guilty. I've got grandchildren. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's going to schlep in those Zeta bits. I've got grandchildren. I wouldn't want them to hear that. Now, I search this out. What it is, and I know I'm going to go pay... When I am a, I got a kid, see, I'll be a grandfather. I'll pay the same dues. When my kid is young, I don't spend the time with her. The mother and father never does. So you get the grandchildren, you had all those guilts. How now you didn't spend the time, but you hit them and things that... So then you, you want to make it up. So he has his grandchildren. And that really makes him moral, because it's moral enough having children. But grandchildren, well, then you're sucking for that past master grand noble. <laughs> I got kids and a family. I got a grandchildren. Then you are moral and beautiful. So he's, I mean, I don't want to hear these words. Then I hear he gets to be just turned into a monster. He is really spoiled rotten. So I said, well, I got the bread. I got the money, so he's no dues for me. But that other schlub who did 9-0. Because my attorney says, the lower courts are all crap. Yes, the lower courts are crap. I say, yeah, but I can go and appeal and I'll make that. But how about the schleps who haven't got any guilt? They have to, they're at his whim. Let's go to Phoenix, Phoenix in 1916. Here you can finish it off. Here's a record to Blake in 1630 and 90. <laughs> oh, I said, that's no good at all. No, he shouldn't be allowed that license. 
to say he's guilty in front. Because I'm sure this, this, this gives the DA, the DA has really assistance. Like they do with pants and shirts 
all you hadn't got Did you leave your life to your mother? Watt from Pedro Show. Um, that was some Nico. Had a little cut out there because uh, I hit the power button, sorry. Nico doing eulogy for Lenny Bruce. A couple songs for Lenny here. Bob Dylan doing Lenny Bruce. And then we had Lenny doing his bit about critics. Well, that's what's titled. Of course, Lenny Bruce World. Everything is fair game, relates, floats in on the tangent. Uh, While that was going on, me and Brother Matt were talking about this movie that Dustin Hoffman was in called Lanny. And I was telling him, in my opinion, I thought Dustin Hoffman was really lame at getting the character Lenny Bruce. A little tootsified. Or the person. Yeah, it was weak. <laughs> I mean, from... Uh, and, you know, he's supposed to be consummate when he gets in his roles, but, man, he didn't have, you know, the cadence of his voice or the sharp of his wit. It didn't... From listening to Lenny's recordings all these years, and i just seen this recent, maybe in the last month or something, it was on uh, Idiot Tube, and... I thought it was weak. I remember when it came out. It was a while 70s, ago. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I never saw it. But, man, was it lame. So, just my opinion. The watered-down version. Yeah, it was just... I don't know. I got no sense of the man from listening to all his bits. He's always been quite an inspiration to me. That way they can change, change the image of the man so he's not quite as powerful. Yeah, he's pretty neuter. Pretty impotent, you know. The way they portrayed him. He's not around to protect himself. <laughs> no. It was, uh, it was lame. <laughs> so, get off that bad, uh, <laughs> subject there. Um, let's see, uh, Wednesday, a couple days ago, I recorded with Nels Klein and Steve Hodges. I reunited the Black Gang crew, the folks who did the opera with me, contemplating the engine room, and we, uh, Backed up Ricky Lee Jones for a song for her new album called It'll Take You There. The song. It was scary for me, and uh, but I thought we did a good um, job. She she was a great leader and uh, directed as well. Her voice is trippy. It's like uh, Billie Holiday, where it has little girl parts, but. Mm-hmm. Also, weary, world-weary heaviness, too. So it's not so much little girl. Storyteller style? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I should say we started off this uh, set with uh, Petra Hayden doing How Are You from her Imaginary Land, a record of... Well, she said, yeah, we're at the end of the first hour. I, I should wrap it up and uh, hold tight for hour two. Uh, January 26, 2003. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
Watford Pedro show. That was gum. A seven inch um, with Kim and Thurston that they called Mirror Dash from a few years ago on Thurston's own ecstatic piece. Before that was a word aptly spoken. Ray Barbie of his solo EP. And we started with the live uh, from 1996. Uh, porno for Pyros. Good God's Urge, where I played bass with him. Though you can, <laughs> can't hear it much on that mix. I think it was some audience uh, recorder. Where was it recorded? Columbus? Um, oh, where's I, the box? Uh, Is it sitting over there? Well, oh, what's it say on the front there? It says October 22nd, 1996 at uh, Bogarts in Cincinnati. Bogarts in Cincinnati. So right state, Ohio, but wrong town. It's like the Maya, just the, the Mayan, just a few days after that in Halloween. It was bitching. That's right. Was That's right. Bitching. Which were the last gigs <laughs> I did with him. Okay. Uh, uh, without further ado, Brother Matt Spincycle. Cool. Deal with Susu Susu doctrine, you know? Man, I deal with Susu Susu doctrine, you know?
That's Take and Free Miami by the Oxes. Before that was the first track off uh, the Honey Bucket CD that these cats gave me in Tempe, Arizona. They didn't put the song titles on. If you give me CDs, put the songs on there. So I know I did get songs from Bert. So I know what the names of those are now. But uh, the mystery's over. Yeah, mystery tune. Pretty trippy. Sorry for the EQ getting shaped up halfway through along with the tempo. I forgot to reset after Brother Matt Spin Cycle manipulates those flavor, flavor controls. Before Honey Bucket, Suburban Death Row by Modern Warfare, about 20... 22 years ago or something, Long Beach Band. And uh, that was coming out of Brother Matt's Spin Cycle. Um, coming up uh, at the end of uh, the second hour of the January 26, 2003 edition of Watt from Pedro Show. It's the Pooper Bowl day. I guess it'll be 3 o'clock our time when it starts. Who cares? I got practice. I'm going to record another dose song after this. For the album, me and Kara, we're doing it one song at a time at the Studio Thunderpants, my apartment here in Pedro. Um, we're going to do a tune that Kara wrote and sing on. And it's pretty sweet having home style going, huh? Yeah, because you can, uh, not all the pressure mm-hmm. of uh, what might happen at a studio situation where you have to bring everything in and do everything then can go as we flow or flow as we go as they say so um, everybody hold tight what's this brother Matt's uh, if you hear that rustling that's him showing me cue card high tech signals to how much time's left and it was 5, 10, 30 now it's 10 again so anyway (laughs) sit tight hour 3 coming right up January 26, 2003. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show, and here's part 21 of the fourth tower of Inverness. Once again, his heart seemed to have opened for but a moment, and then she was gone. I've never seen anyone so beautiful. I wonder if she could have been a goddess. And the Wurlitzer, that must have been the jukebox. Wow. Incredible. Jack turns to the old ferryman. Can you tell me... Where is he? He's gone. How could he? What's this? He's left behind a sword and a scabbard. Well, it may come in handy. Now taking the pole left by the ferryman, Jack moves the raft out to the spot where he saw the boat made of sandal with the oars of silver. I wonder if she just vanished, or or maybe my mind retained her image for so long that I stared upon a mirage long after she had gone. Wait a minute. He notices a path through the lily pads, as though a small boat had glided through, gently pushing them aside. Now they slowly move back again, obscuring the narrow path. She must have gone this way. I'll have to hurry... The path will be completely closed in just a few moments. 
He pulls the raft into the closing channel. Darn. Now how do you get this thing to go in a straight line? Come on, lily pads, make way. I'm, I'm coming through. Finally, getting the knack of his vessel, he proceeds ahead rapidly. Darn, they're closing up too fast. I, I don't know if I could... Just a second. Hey, it seems to lead into a channel up ahead. Yes, that, that must be where she's gone to. The channel Jack heads into leads straight at first, but then curves and twists and becomes narrower as the trees grow thicker and thicker and taller and taller till they shut out the light of the sun. And ahead, there is only darkness, like that of the mouth of death. You know, maybe I missed a turn back there. And if this channel gets any narrower, the sides of the raft are going to start digging into the banks. Then suddenly, out of the darkness, another face peers into his own and sticks out at him a long red tongue. Jack starts back and looks and sees before him a root-eating Wairogi, clad in a coat of bark, with long hair and nails like the claws of a bird. His legs and arms are bare, and his skin looks like the skin of an elephant's foot. My son, why are you pulling the raft through a wood full of nothing but trees and rakshasas? Ogres, vampires, goblins, and the like are all but variations of the Hindu rakshasas. Its special feature this week is its power to change its shape at will. Well, my name is Jack Flanders, and I come from a world beyond... And I look for a goddess-like creature in a boat with silver oars and a magnificent jukebox glowing in the bow. Ah, yes. I know of whom you speak. There are very few that wish to find that land of the lotus jukebox from whence she comes. And fewer still who find it. Fewest of those that haven't found it return. Then you know where that land lies. Ha <laughs> ha! You're more ready to ask than to answer questions. Fat chance. I give nothing for nothing. Hmm. What can I possibly give that old geezerd? No. That I also have all my life been looking. Not for one way only, but for three. And now, if you will, tell me my three ways. I will tell you yours. One way for three? Well, what kind of a deal is that? Oh, well, there isn't much I can lose, I guess. Tell me the first way. I will tell thee a third of thine way to the land, the lotus joke box. Okay. True or false. Sin against God is one thing. Sin against man is worse. Hmm. Sin against man is worse. True, true. Good. I always wondered about that one. Next. Knowledge is better than... Hold on, hold on. You're supposed to tell me my one-third, remember? Ah, yes. Now learn from me a portion of thine own way. The way Rojai lays down on the ground and suddenly abandons the form of a hermit becomes a weasel which sticks out a long red tongue and enters the ground by a hole and disappears. As Jack stoops down to examine the hole, he sees the way Rojai again beside him in his old shape. 
except that he continues to stick out the weasel's tongue. Hey, what's the idea? I have shown thee a way for a way. Hmm, this is no hermit, but one of those vile rakshasas, or however you pronounce it. Next, true or false, knowledge is better than wealth. You have to look after wealth. Knowledge looks after you. Well, that's an easy one. True. Excellent. Excellent. Now learn from me another portion of thine own way. And as Jack watches the deceitful way Rojai become a bat and stick his tongue out at him again and flies away through the trees. Wow. He's really good at what he does. But he's going to tell me my way, one way or another. And suddenly, again, he sees the way Rojai is standing at his side. And as before, sticks his tongue out at him. Now answer one more, and thine own way will be clear before thee. Okay. True or false, a path and a gateway have no meaning or use once the objective is in sight. Hmm. Path and a... True. Fantastic. Now that shall have emancipation from thine own stupidity as to the land of the lotus joke box. Well, it's about time. This is my answer. And once again, the way Rojai sticks out his tongue. But Jack has had about enough of this and swings the heavy pole from his raft, giving the way Rojai a smart cloud atop the head. So sudden and sharp is the blow that the way Rojai's razor teeth snips off the very tip of his tongue. Well, to thee, unlucky Zack, for thou art not in the land of the lotus to box, for the black sassas of who I am the king. <laughs> Nuts. And so Jack pushes his raft forward deeper into the woods. Darkness has fallen as he continues along a silver path among trees that resemble Rakshasas, for they let in through the hair of their branches the light of the moon, which reflect the waters of the ever-narrowing channel. And finally... Oh, shoot. The channel's gotten too narrow for the raft. I'll have to hoof it from here. And so he starts off on foot. And as he goes, the trees gradually grow thinner, and at length he looks before him and sees in a clear space a dark blue forest studded with moon lotuses and all about it fireflies are flitting looking like swarms of bees that have returned with torches unable to endure separation at night from the lotus flowers they love all day hmm and as he gazes into the water he sees in its smooth mirror the image of a woman dancing. And as she dances, her robes flutter in the wind, and drops of water sparkle in the moonlight like gems on her breasts, which rise and fall like a wave on the sea, in and out of the shadow of her hair, which resembles the essence of the blackness of night. And she chants as she dances, with a voice that sounds like a spell and fans the ear like a breeze from the mountains. Then he raises his eyes and sees the original of that water-painted woman image dancing on the other side of the pool. 
She looks across and sees him. Their eyes meet, traveling over the pool. And instantly, she stops her singing and dancing and claps her hands and calls to him. Come over to me, handsome stranger, for I am weary of dancing alone and I have a question to ask you. And she leans against a tree and stands waiting, with one hand on the trunk of the tree and the other on her hip. Her breasts rise and fall with her breath, and she looks like a feminine incarnation of the essence of the agitation of the ocean, stirred by the sight of the moon. Jack looks at her and says to himself, Holy smokes. And he goes round the edge of the pool and finds her on the other side. She beckons to him with a bangled hand and moving lips and eyes that shine in the moonlight like the eyes of a snake. And she comes and stands before him and puts her hand on his shoulders with a touch like a leaf and looks up into his face with a smile and says, I am Ulupi. Adaija's daughter. A kind of demon. And here I live, all alone, with none with whom to compare myself, save my own image in the water. Tell me, for you have seen other women. Have you ever met with eyes more beautiful than mine? And as he looks down into them as into two dark pools, he feels them pounding his heart like a pair of fists. And he says to himself... Holy smokes. Your eyes are very beautiful. But the night heavens have many eyes, all of great beauty. Oh. And a cloud comes over her face, and she flings away from him in disdain and stands pouting like a child. I guess that wasn't the best thing to say. And suddenly she turns again and puts up to her head the graceful creepers of her arms and unfastens the knot of her hair and shakes it. It falls like midnight about those stars, her eyes, and covers her all over like a veil, and rolls down round her feet and along the ground like a black serpent. Then, with her hand, she puts it away from her face and shoots through its meshes a subtle smile. At least you have never seen the equal to my hair. And he feels her glance strike him like a thunderbolt out of a cloud. from the Madonna Vampira, I'd be snared like a housefly in a tank of boiling tar. Your hair is extremely beautiful. And just as heaven is lovely at night with all its stars, lovelier still is the dark blue sea in which they are reflected, for it contains all their beauty and adds another of its own. Oh! Oh! Lupi is very angry. She stands with flashing eyes, swelling with rage. I guess I put my foot in it again. Then, suddenly, she stoops and gathers up her hair and comes to him and flings it round him like a noose and whispers in his ear with lips that caress as they move. It's hot and dusty, and I am cool and fragrant as the nectar of that moon in whose light I dance. Come, lay down with me upon my bed of ferns and forest moss. And there comes from her hair a strange wind like a cloud of the sweat of a thousand scents that lure his soul to listen and dream in the lulling murmur of her mouth. I give up. You win. 
And as he loses himself in the net of her hair, and as they slowly sink to the forest bed caressing one another, he knows that he'll never again see Inverness or look out across the valleys and golden hills that roll up and down and away, far off into the distance. <laughs> You begin to see that you are upa-gurus as opposed to satguru. A satguru is the pure light. An upa-guru is anybody or anything along the way that takes you one step further, the next message. Birds, dogs, children, accidents, boredom, people you meet all the time, your enemies, they are all your upa-gurus because Anything that you are perceiving in, in this plane is the result of an attachment on your part. You've got to remember the basic rule I gave you last time. Desire creates the universe. Your desires create your universe. So that everything you see or know as called your universe is merely a reflection of your uncooked seeds of desire. Because who you are is it all. You wouldn't be seeing anything if you were who you are. You're only seeing something because you forgot. You're it already. It's like looking at your own eyes, looking at your own eyes, looking at your own eyes. <laughs> but then his hand touches an object round and smooth and cold that rests upon the forest floor and when he peeks through the thick net of black hair that covers him he sees that the object is a skull wearing a pith helmet holy toledo look at this what? and she seizes him by the arm and shakes him violently oh you what you have inside that chest Crumpled newspaper instead of a heart that all my beauty cannot touch you. It's that skull with the pith helmet cocked over one hole where an eye ought to be. I know that I am beautiful and there is no beauty like mine in all the world. That's irrelevant. The point is this skull Ir here with the pith. Irrelevant. Then Olupi screams oh. like a wounded elephant. I just want to know whose head this is. I'm looking for a person by the name of Sir Henry Jowls, as well as the land of the Lotus Jukebox, and I want to know. Fool! You'll never see that Lotus Land. Oh, boy. And she looks at him with a jeering laugh. <laughs> and instantly sits down and winds herself up in her long hair and begins to weep. And as she weeps, the tears run down from her eyes like a river and fall into the lake. Immediately, the lake begins to rise and swell and flood the wood with water. Good grief! And as he stands gazing at her with astonishment, he finds himself standing in a vast marsh with the trees of the forest for rushes. Wow! And as he looks, suddenly the deluring daughter of a demon becomes a mist and floats away over the water like a vapor. 
And he is left alone in the wood with the water up to his waist. And as the water keeps on rising and rising, Jack says to himself, Oh boy, I've seen women cry before, but whoever saw tears like this? The pith helmet comes floating by and he reaches out, cautiously, expecting just about anything to be floating beneath. This pith helmet is still in good shape. It looks safe enough, there's nothing inside it. I wonder if... It's a little big, but I've always wanted to try wearing one of these things. Wait a minute. What are these initials? S-H-J. S-H-J, Sir Henry Jowls. Good Lord, this water is still rising. i better find a tree and quick. Jack climbs up into a tree and looks out over the water on which the mist hangs in the moonlight like a curtain of fine spun silver on a floor of glass. Is this merely an illusion? But I'm soaking wet and the water keeps rising. I've got to climb higher into into this tree. So he climbs up and up, and as he climbs, the water rises after him, higher and higher, until at last he can see nothing but the water and the moon and the tree that stretch above him into the sky. Well, that raft sure would come in handy. I don't know. Eventually I'm going to run out of tree and then I've had it. So he continues to climb and climb while the water rises and the moon sinks and the night gradually comes to an end. And then the sun rises over the eastern mountain and begins, like himself, to climb into the sky. And the sweat pours from his limbs and at last he stops, overcome with fatigue. And he says to himself, Oh, I've had it. I just... I just can't climb another branch. That's all, folks. And as he looks down, suddenly he sees before him no water and no tree. And his head grows dizzy and his vision swims. And he can scarcely believe his eyes. Good Lord. I'm standing on the peak of a mountain. Hallelujah! But all around him, and all before him and behind, is a vast desert of burning sand that stretches away to the very limit of the range of sight, and it glows in the fire of the sun's rays like a furnace, and is furrowed and pitted with holes and chasms. And as he watches, its surface rises and falls like a woman's breast, and it looks as if it were alive, though in truth... It looks more like the home of death. They sure don't fool around in these parts. And as he gazes, he sees living things, the color of sand, that crawl swiftly on all fours, and sometimes stand up on their back legs and sniff the air, standing still except for their tails that never rest. Sometimes they blend into the sand until only their bright eyes stand out, watching. And it seems to Jack that all those hideous eyes seek him out and fasten on him and rest on him alone, saying to him, as it were, Let's see you get out of this one.
she won't come home when well, we needed some space anyway. Got a blowjob from a black drag queen I could hardly afford to pay. Roll up a pile of dried out swag and the wind takes down the last match. Go for my life from a toothless old hag and listen to her saying, What are you?
Watt from Pedro Show. Hey, brother yeah, Matt. Yeah. A little feedback there. That was a Pedro band called Unicorn with Report from Behind Enemy Lines. Before that, Life and Hell from No Means No. Leaky Eyes from Mad Happy. Before that, Mike Hill's solo record. Scene of the Crime, Marsha Ball. And we started this third hour with part 21 of the fourth tower of Inverness. Let's see, get out of that, Jack. <laughs> Watch the pit helmets. Uh, Watt from Pedro Show on Sunny Sunday. Pedro. Very uh, calm weather. Went uh, out and got some Perrier. <laughs> Bougie, bubbly water. How's the new PC, brother Matt? Yeah, it's still got a few little bugs in there, but uh, it's okay for a hand-me-down. Making use of the refuse. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Got to play the donates for all they're worth. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and... Um, uh, let's see what's coming up. Well, I'm practicing with my guys a lot. The second man, uh, ready to record real quick here, soon. Or at least getting it all together. Um, I got a dose gig coming on the seventh of February. The smell. Uh, I think that's in my next show. Then some Banyan up north, San Francisco. Oh, and Long Beach too. Santa Monica. De Piazzas. Yeah. One, uh, I was going to do a benefit there, but I got to go play with Banyan. The wife of the guy who runs De Piazzas that teaches disabled kids. Oh. It'll be a benefit for them. Oh, cool. I wish I could have been part of it. I like doing the benefits, it's a good thing. My turn at the donate. Okay, here's a Georgia band called the Rent Boys. What from Pedro Show?
Stars lights up the dark And you're too lovely for the city You look like you heart from the cold parts of the planet Where the girls are pale and pretty No one has to three brush your hair No one has to four five see
from Pedro show that was Y lab with what now before that your nose lights up the dark by the mink lungs New York City band any old thing before that peg Legas- peg Legasis, their new album and uh, before that was uh, couple songs from the tallest jockey in town CD. I don't know the names because, again, the cat didn't write them down. Milwaukee Band. Solo Endeavor. I can't remember his name, which is terrible too. Sorry. Devil's Elbow before that with Glenn Rasmussen Trio. We started off with Mama's Porch from the Rent Boys. Uh, Vinny Vegas stopped by, his buddy Bob. That's something you might want to grow up to be. A rent boy. A rent boy? Yeah. (laughs) No? No, I don't know. (laughs) So, uh, are you excited about the game? Me and Brother Matt aren't. (laughs) Yeah! It be a good game. I think uh, the Bucks will cover the spread but lose the game. You heard it here first. Uh, it's a pirate. Pirate super bowl. Super Arr. pooper bowl. Arr. Toilet bowl. <laughs> so, uh... You got two more minutes. Yeah, we got two more. Damn, well, we got time. Here's, uh, one more song. Watt for Pedro Show. Let's go. 
Some live Minutemen there. D Boone. Yeah. Number one hit song. Good way to end the gig or the show. This week's installment. January 26, 2003 edition of the Watt from Pedro show. Uh, keep your powder dry. <laughs>